Welcome to the Exploring Awareness Podcast. Join Dr. Frank Anderson and Lisa Berry in exploring new ways to live in this chaotic world and find peace and joy in the most unlikely places. Welcome to the Exploring Awareness Podcast. We're always grateful when you decide to tune in and check us out and listen to our ongoing conversation. I'm Lisa Berry here with Dr. Frank Anderson. How are you doing? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Exploring Awareness Podcast for another exciting episode. <laughs> exciting for sure. I mean, it's just been so amazing to me that we've had all these conversations and who knew that awareness, the word awareness that we hear so much had so many different applications and meanings in our lives. So I hope you listening have heard that and been able to apply it to your life. And uh, what do you want to talk about it in this episode, Frank? Well, I like that word awareness so much, as you know. Yes. And we've been uncovering all of these amazing things about ourselves through awareness. And we've dubbed this the big fun journey. So yes. I want to keep that theme going. Ah, I love it. But I wanted to bring it around to a place where when we first started this podcast, we were talking about mindfulness techniques. And it's just come up to me recently. What is it? actually mean to be mindful? And how is that related to awareness? And I thought sometimes that could be an obvious thing that people may assume people understand when they talk about mindfulness and awareness, but I thought we might want to break it down a little bit. It gets to the how, it gets to the ability for any person to understand what we're talking about, not just those with lots of experience. You know what I mean? Well, I'm a radio broadcaster and I do a lot of different interviews. And of course, my favorite are the ones about mindfulness. And I ask a, a lot of different guests, uh, what does, let's start with a description of what mindfulness is. And I notice everybody has a little bit of a different explanation. So I thought, well, what is it then? And many people have come up with a definition of mindfulness. Right. And you're right. <laughs> they're not the same. And the reason they're not the same is because it's actually hard to define. Hmm. Well, how would talked, you define it? Well, we've talked before about how difficult it is to use words. Right. And, uh, you know, I hear a lot of words, a lot of talks, a lot of words, and, and we make a lot of words, you know, on this podcast as well. So I want to, Right at the very beginning, I want to introduce the idea that what we're talking about is really something experienced, you know, something felt, a felt sense, right, about what it means to be mindful. So when we have to use words to describe mindfulness, we hear phrases like paying attention. Right. But we also know that paying attention can just be focus, you know, just something you do with your brain, you know, pay attention to the traffic, pay attention to where you're parking the car. The, the second part of a mindfulness definition we often hear is kind of on purpose. So there's like, okay, so, you know, you might be paying attention when you're parking your car. Uh, you're probably doing that somewhat on purpose, but when you use the word on purpose, 
it suggests something a little more intentional, wouldn't you say? Well, first of all, when I when I used to go places, I don't go many places now due to the pandemic. I never can remember where I parked the car. <laughs> and I'm that lady walking up and down the aisles. Going, where is it? But then when you compare that to mindfulness, it is kind of like, all right, sometimes I'll say, all right, stop. Look around. Remember that you're parked in this direction. You're three aisles over. So it is being in the present moment and observing my surroundings. So that is kind of an interesting way to to describe mindfulness. Well, and yeah, you think you 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 could definitely be mindful of how you park your car, but that's still not quite what we're talking about. So well, I meant being in that moment and remembering and not so much about parking my car, but just stopping and being in this moment and observing where I am and what I am. And is that one form of mindfulness? Yeah, I really think it is, you know, like when you when you're parking your car, if you're already kind of in a mindful state, you'll know where you park the car. <laughs> you know, when, when you're what happens to me is when I'm rushing around and I. Right. Uh, you know, I park the car and I'm rushing around and I haven't actually paid attention in the first place. I don't know where the car is, you know, so there's kind of like this uh, this after effect. If you do things, I lose stuff a lot, like right when I'm about to leave the house, if I'm rushing, you know, and I put the keys down and like, oh, where are those keys? So, yeah, you've kind of lost your state of being. So, yes. Yeah, so we're talking about paying attention on purpose, but. But there's another part of the definition. It's in a particular way, right? And so then it, it, it's starting to get a little more detailed, isn't it? Like paying attention on purpose in a particular way. And, you know, like what is that actual particular way? So it begins to open up another another question. And then we also hear, you know, non-judgmentally. <laughs> and that also implies something that might be very hard for us to, to understand mentally. So in a particular way, I think, starts to get to this awareness thing and then non-judgmentally. So now I'm asking you to pay attention non-judgmentally in a particular way. And a lot of us are trained and are habituated to be judgmental about things. Mm. And here this mindfulness definition is saying, well, that's not what mindfulness is. Mindfulness is non-judgmental. Ah, I don't know if I've ever heard non-judgmental applied to it. I always try to be non-judgmental in all situations because who am I to judge somebody else? Yeah, well, and that's, I think, John Kabat-Zinn's definition. And I'll have to admit that might be an older definition, but that's how a lot of people have defined mindfulness in the past. Well, I'm thinking about it. No one ever asks me because I'm the interviewer and I always ask everyone else. So if you were to ask me what mindfulness meant, I would think it'd be being aware of your thoughts or not your thoughts. I know part of awareness is, is no thoughts because we talked about that a couple of episodes ago. But your the human mind, if when you really get to know it, is such a complex interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people do 
contemplate. Oh, I'm judging it. But I don't think you hear a lot of people talking about the depths and layers <laughs> of their own human mind. Right. But if, if you go in there and you think about it, then I'm being mindful because I'm, I'm thinking about my mind or am I being too literal? <laughs> or no, confusing? No, I think you're exactly right, because one of the four foundations of mindfulness is mindfulness of thoughts. Ah. And, you know, the ability, I think, to be aware of your thoughts, you've learned at, at it. I, I've learned how to do it, but I'm not sure everyone does that. I think that there's a certain amount of waking up a realization that you can be aware of your thoughts. Or be aware or be, of your judgments. <laughs> and, and be aware of your judgments and be mindful of your thoughts. And so as we have been exploring awareness over this past year, we've talked about being mindful of the breath and of the body and of the thoughts and of the emotions. And when we do that, it puts us in an awareness perspective or an awareness stance. Hmm. And we've talked about that, that place of awareness as a place of stillness and a place of quiet and a place of peace, right? Mm -hmm. We use the words peace, love, joy, and equanimity. So if the part of you that is aware or the part of you that is mindful is, and, and then of course the present moment is a key part of the mindfulness definition. So here we are aware mindful of the present moment, then whatever arises in the present moment just arises and stays for a while, and then it falls. So let's say something really bad arises. If you're in that awareness place, that mindful place, there isn't a judgment that goes along with that because it just is what it is. So if you're sitting there and your knee starts to hurt, you have pain in your knee. If you're in a mindful state, you know, you say pain is arising in the knee. Now, if you judge the pain, it's like that darn pain is back and I hate that pain and that pain does all these things to me. You know, that then starts to add the suffering to the pain. The pain is there and all your mental reaction to it. So, so I think that when they use that word non-judgmental in, in the definition of mindfulness, our thinking brain doesn't, doesn't compute. But when we are in this state of what it means to be mindful, then the judgments don't come up. Does that well, make I wanna, sense? Well, I want to make a, a try to be make a practical application of that because it seems like we hear about mindfulness so much more now. You know, it used to be positive psychology or it used to be self-awareness. Now I think the generic term we're hearing a lot is mindfulness. And I think people are like, oh, what does that mean? And what do I have to give up to do that? Or what does it entail? Or why would I even be interested in mindfulness? So I was trying to think of a more practical way to describe it and the why someone would want to be mindful? Well, I think that's a, that's a very good question. And if you don't know what mindfulness is, right. there's no reason that you'd want to be mindful. Right. right. I mean, it's like 
for the average person and the, the a person who's listening to this podcast, hopefully, just to learn about this, right? That uh, that without a context, it doesn't make any sense. It's just like, well, why would I be mindful? Or, or I already am mindful, or you know, I've done that already. You know, it's like um, the, the word, like you say, is so commonly used, and we also know that it can be associated with uh, other things that people don't understand, whether it be a uh, you know, meditation, Buddhism, another right. culture or whatever. And um, so people, they, they may or may not be interested in mindfulness because they don't know what it is. What they might be interested in is living a life that was more peaceful, you know, right. living a life that's, that's, uh, that's less chaotic, living a life that's less stressful, living a life that's less you know, suffering and, and, and not only that, but living a life, you know, that is, is helpful and um, loving and inclusive and generous to other people and authenticity, things that go beyond just a um, personal benefit, because that's also not what this is ultimately about. It's about being in the world in a loving and peaceful and generous way. You just said all of my favorite things. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like, yes. Yeah. So does that make me mindful if those are my priorities or if that's what I'm aware of? Well, so so you may want all of those priorities and, and right. our listeners may want those priorities. And it's like, well, how am I going to do that? Because I'm right. in this very difficult situation. I don't have money and I don't have any opportunity. There's all kinds of, you know, idealism <laughs> that comes along with this. And I want to really reframe that because it's ultimately, it's not about gaining something that we don't already have. And, and again, uh, sometimes we see mindfulness as something we ought to do to gain something. Again, this is where the words are, are difficult. You've heard of mindfulness-based stress reduction, right? So I'm really stressed and I have so many thoughts, let's say. I want to get rid of my thoughts and I want to be relaxed. Yeah, that's, that's why some people might want to pursue mindfulness as well. But that is also not what mindfulness is all about. Sometimes it's couched that way. But really what we're talking about is something that you already have, no matter what your situation is. And it's a return to that, that mindfulness can provide for you. And so that whatever happens in the present moment, you've returned back to your innate sense of peace and love and joy and generosity, no matter what the situation is. So just to clarify, you're not saying that we can't move around in the world being loving and authentic and joyful if we pursue mindfulness. You're just saying it's already there. So mindfulness is more of a matter of returning you to that place in yourself versus something you go out and get. Oh, right. Exactly. It's not something that you go out and get. It's not something you get from following a teacher or a guru or uh -huh. something. It's, it's already there. Now, guides can help you. Yeah. But, you know, some people are already like that. And, and so, you know, 
they're not looking for anything. They're happy and peaceful and joyful and loving, and we know them. And it's, you know, some people are just innately like that. You must know people like that. Hey. Hey, I know a person like that. (laughs) Do you know someone like that? Mm -hmm. I I have been around people Uh where they are extremely, um, you just feel that they're just, just connected and uh, people, Mm. some people are just born that way, I think. But, But a lot of us, a lot of us have had lots of difficult situations in our life and that these like beautiful innate qualities get clouded over and we, retreat into habits and retreat into discursive thoughts and retreat into self-pity. And there's all kinds of things that us wonderful humans do because we've learned it, because we think we needed them to survive, because we need them to protect ourselves and from, you know, whatever threats we think we might have, whatever kind of tribal connections we think we have to keep, whatever your parents taught you is absolutely true. And if you went against that, that would be so bad or what your religions taught you. There's so many things that keep people out of their, you know, innate natures. But I'm having a revelation. <laughs> my hands, I'm raising my hand because... You're raising your hand. I am. Like, please pick me, pick me. Because maybe (laughs) maybe I was trying to imply that I was the person you knew who was loving and caring and 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 we we, I missed that train. So, but let me just say, if I'm being quote unquote mindful, then maybe I'm better connecting to those qualities. And for me, now I have a new definition of being mindful. Being mindful means connecting me to those qualities that I value and want to move around the world. Yes. Well, I think that that's closer, right? And it's, you know, we've gone deep quickly on this discussion. Right. When you teach a class on mindfulness, (laughs) you know, it's hard to go right to that. So someone comes to a class on mindfulness and they want to learn to be mindful. And that's why I love this idea of exploring awareness because this is an active, um, dynamic kind of question, right? So it's like, it's not that you're mindful or not mindful, but these, these mindfulness techniques will open up to a place of this present moment awareness and that will look like you're mindful, right? And so it's it's not a cause and effect, but it's more of a description of someone who's kind of woken up from some of the things that were taking them out of the present moment. Okay. So I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And I hear you. Is that like a Frank Anderson thing? I know, I know we hear awareness all the time, but I've never heard anyone really tie it to mindfulness. And I like the description and explanation you just gave, but is that kind of your take on it? Or is that a widely known thing that you're just teaching us about? This is not, has nothing to do with Frank Anderson. Well, (laughs) But it's your take. You are. We know you like awareness. I mean, well, we call this podcast "Exploring Awareness" because you, and I know. I know you didn't invent awareness, as I just said. Everybody mentions it in passing, but we go deep on awareness. And now we're talking about mindfulness, and you've immediately tied it to awareness. And I just thought, is that the direction you personally prefer to head? Uh, it is a direction that a lot of teachers take. Okay, uh, and and that's why you hear the word awareness all the time. 
I personally think that we ought to focus on it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people are teaching kind of uh, about mindfulness. Now, as I mentioned in a previous episode, Jack Cornfield has moved from the word mindfulness to loving awareness, mm-hmm. right? And that, um, and that more and more of us, I think that there's been an evolution in this whole field, right? It's very new, right? It came to us in many cases, from Asian monks, right, who came over and um, wonderful monks, Thich Nhat Hanh, for instance, has written so much about mindfulness, and you know Jack Cornfield and and John Kabat-Zinn, all of them have been involved in Buddhist temples. I've been involved, and not to the same degree. When we take this concept of of mindfulness from a Buddhist tradition. You know, we do hear heavy on the technique, and there is that whole description of mindfulness from from Buddhism and those four foundations of mindfulness, which I think are useful for any culture. These aren't culturally specific, turn into this technique of learning to be mindful. And so we hear mindfulness of the breath, right? You, and, and some meditation is just mindfulness of the breath on and on and on. I've spent hours doing that, Lisa. <laughs> and, you know, I've been exposed to different teachers, which I think has been great, right? I haven't, I'm not just, I don't have a lineage. I don't have one tradition. I don't have a dogma. And I think because I'm a American uh, kid, you know, I can have access to all these different teachers and you know we have the internet and we have videos and so you get access to all this stuff so so i do feel like that i've kind of put things together for myself and you know when i was in thailand we learned mindfulness of the breath and body and emotions um and thought and awareness of awareness although i didn't really know they were teaching that at the time you know i wasn't quite there yet and then when i was at the zen temple we were like concentration, like counting, mantras, koans, you know, very much concentration. Although I was still kind of meditating like the Thailand people, but uh, and doing both, but learning that, learning more about how this is all developed and evolved. And then I've mentioned Adyashante many times, and he's a fantastic teacher. And he's kind of been through the a Buddhist tradition as well as a, as a Buddhist teacher. And he still values his Buddhist heritage, but he also talks about awareness and awakening. And this resonated with me. And when I heard him speak and him articulate some of the same things I was feeling. So it's only with me doing this for 20 years or so. And then now trying to introduce this into you know, to my medical colleagues and the medical students and and also the general public from a way that or an approach that doesn't rely on kind of pure technique or another cultural context to understand and so 
the exploring awareness. Uh, there is another podcast out there called the Awareness Explorers. So, you know, we're not the first. That's an interesting podcast as well. So it's not just me, but I do think that I only came up with that term because I've been working with this for a very long time. And I wouldn't have come up with it, you know, when I first started meditating. Well, to me, it's when you, there seems like there's more opening and more possibility in awareness and awakening. To me, that's kind of like lets the light in and gives you room to grow and expand. Whereas mindfulness, I, I think some people just think, and it, and it could be that mindfulness is just being aware of your mind. It's just being aware that there is this conversation going on and there are these judgments going on and maybe you need to stop and go, Hey, what's going on in there? And that's mindfulness. Whereas to me, awakening and awareness, this is kind of like, yes, you know, there's so many possibilities and so many different ways you can look at it. And it just seems larger to me. Yeah, it is larger, Lisa. And I think that some criticism of mindfulness amongst, you know, some spiritual teachers is that it is limiting. Ah. It could be limiting. You're absolutely right if we're just using mindfulness and stopping there. And so some of the spiritual teachers are in beautiful, you know, religious contexts, Buddhist contexts, Buddhist thinkers. And, you know, if you look through Buddhist literature, you see all kinds of amazing things. But, you know, that's where I think that uh, I'm not going to teach Buddhist spirituality at the medical school or right. at right. Uh, with my patients. We've got to come up with a way that makes this approachable and applicable to our situation. And so this is our contribution to that conversation. I get it. I feel that. Now I know what you mean, because... I don't like to be defined. I don't like to be defined by my zip code or my religion or who I follow or everyone's free to believe whatever they want and join whoever they want. I'm not trying to to judge that, but I just feel like awareness is just open-ended and non-judgmental and not tied to anything other than possibility. No, exactly. And the beautiful thing about it is I believe that people gather and they're in community around their cultures and around their religions and their rituals. And I think it's fantastic, but you know, you can think a lot of things in lots of different religions and one group might think this and one group might think that thoughts are thoughts and that's fine. But the awareness of thoughts is going to be the same for all of us. The awareness and let's say the awareness of awareness is what's going to unite Every human being, no matter what's going on in your brain, no matter what synapses have been created in your gray matter, can we just take a minute and stop talking and defending and deciding who's right and wrong? Because all that all those things are, it's our product of how you were brought up, where you live, who your parents were. That is what it is, but there is something else that unites us all in this beautiful field of loving awareness. And my God, if everyone could just realize that, this world would be a different place. Wow, that is an amazing thought. I don't want to ask the obvious question, but what is the one thing that would unite us? That's Just... right. What is that one thing? And that one thing 
is something that you'll have to experience with practice. Practice using mindfulness techniques to explore awareness, to get to a place where you identify as awareness so that you're not identified with all of your thoughts. You have to get over the fear of that, the resistance to that, the difficulty with that. Once you do that, then there's an opportunity for the realization of the unity of all beings. Mm. Wow. Wow. In conversation, you have mentioned to me recently about like just too much talking. Why does everyone have to keep using words? And, and I'm all, I love to talk and I love to use words. It's my job. And now I finally hear what you're saying. And, and that's huge that you're just identified with how you were raised and what you were taught. And if you can just step outside of that for a minute, there's awareness and freedom. And I finally hear what you're saying. And here I'm putting words to it. I should probably be being quiet and just observing, right? Well, you know, we could we could do that in meditation, but I mean, the reality is we have brains and thoughts and we have places right. where we live and cultures and groups and communities and we have fun doing that, you know? And uh, we, we have parties and we we bring our babies into the world. We, we, we take our dead out of the world. You know, there's all these mm. wonderful things that humans do. So I don't, I don't think we're all going to move our bodies in the same way. Obviously we're not going to, you know, move our mouths with the same language. We're not going to have all the same thoughts, but all of those are, are wonderful aspects of the human condition and to be celebrated and to be enjoyed. I mean, I like being a guy in Ann Arbor, you know, living downtown with, you know, my neighbors and my garden. But that's not all of it. That's not all of it. And so this this idea that everyone that walks by me is all basically the same mm. in that way, in our purest nature that realization you know then you then then love it just is is a natural expression of that and once you have this opening right then then your body moves around a little differently the words come out differently no longer is your mind kind of like your defensiveness or your habits directing what you say but it's like your authentic Truth is is directing how you move around, what you say, how you spend your money, what jobs you do, how you treat your children, how you treat your spouse. No longer is it programmed by your conditions, but it emerges from your truth. The truth that you were born with. The truth of, of, of being. When I hear you say these things, it brings me peace. And then I think of like open-minded and being open-hearted and just being open. Awareness yeah. creates an opening, I think. Open-heartedness is great. I love that term. I think we've yeah. discussed that in our yes. previous episode, that open-heartedness. And you know, that's where the non-judgment comes in. So mm. the loving awareness, you know, I love that term as well. That mm. captures it. And mindful awareness, peaceful awareness 
And you see these people who realize this. How about open-minded yeah. mindfulness? <laughs> yeah, open-minded mindfulness. Right. And it's something that will emerge from you as, uh, as opposed to something you should achieve. And so ah. you hear all these people talk about this, that they talk about their experience of spirituality, but they've kind of already done the work and they're talking about what it's like to be, you know, kind of having awakening or realization. But the, but if you haven't gone through those yet, you know, it's nice to hear, but it's like, well, wait a minute. That's great. How do you actually get there? So can we say that one more time? Because I think that is key and eye-opening for me, for sure. It's something that just emerges. It's not something that you achieve. Oh, oh, absolutely. It's not something that you achieve. There's no achievement here. There's only um, a return with an emergence. So you, hmm. so, so when you return to that truth that already is, or that being that already is, then your actions kind of emerge from that perspective. So there is an, 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 a, an emergence, so to speak, of that part of you that... Uh, that core part of you that is ref, reflects the love and peace and joy and generosity and wisdom and, and, and those type of things. Well, you know, I'm always asking, what's the benefit? What's the payoff? What are we talking about? And why would we want to do that? And now you're just saying it's not something you achieve. It just happens. It's organic. That's, that's it's very organic. I like that. It's very organic. And so when we hear spiritual teachers who are already kind of, let's say, expressing that, right? They're already expressing their selves. And there is kind of a divine nature that we have. I mean, you know, if you want to use the word, no, you like that word divine. I do. I do. Sorry. So you see someone with this divine nature and then you're like, oh, I want to be like them yeah. and you like you like follow them and you kiss their feet and you think that they're so great and you put them on a throne or a pedestal and you're projecting all of your energy onto them as if they have something that you don't and that's the that's false that is absolutely false now unfortunately there are people who have that and they will take from you <laughs> whatever you're willing to give them. And uh, that is not that that's that's a that's a pitfall <laughs> of this type of thing, because maybe they've achieved some level of realization and now the ego is involved. And unfortunately, we've seen many cases of spiritual teachers taking advantage of followers um, you know, sexually, financially, power plays and all these things. It is extremely, extremely unfortunate. I mean, there's a lot of great people out there who don't do that. But unfortunately, we only hear about the ones that do and um, prominent ones. And it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear that kind of thing. But this is not a requirement. And this is not something that you have to do. If you can see the divinity in someone else, that means... You can see it in yourself. And There's our pillow for the week. 
<laughs> no, if you can see the divinity in someone else and you can see it in yourself, that's huge. That's huge. That's huge. And, you know, one thing I learned from Adyashante in his uh, wonderful book, if you're interested in a free PDF of someone who's influenced me quite a bit, it's called The Way of Liberation. And he's provided that as a free PDF, very condensed a lot of the things of what I've talked about will be in there. And one of the things he says, never abdicate your own authority. Right. So yes. certainly you learn from people, but don't you don't give up your authority to other people. And if they would have that, <laughs> run. Mm. <laughs> you know, if, if someone would have me as their disciple, then I'm going to go the other way. Mm. Because that's not what this is about. Um, partners, guides, teachers, but certainly... There's nothing you give up to someone else. Now, in some cultures, it's pretty common to do that. But here we are in the United States of America, and that's not our culture. So let's not do that. Let's go back and say, let's be aware and bring everything to awareness. So like, be aware that I am really drawn to this person's divinity. So go back to the awareness, you know, like I... It's always in the awareness that you'll find the answer. And you'll understand awareness, and I think, by using mindfulness techniques. And we could call them exploring awareness techniques, but let's, let's use the word mindfulness techniques to open up to awareness. And that's how we do our guided meditations, which we could move into now, unless you had a couple of other questions. No, I think this has been, you've been chock full of information and I'm smiling from ear to ear. Thank you so much for these great things that you've said. Yeah. And, and the how is so important. The how is so important because we can talk, right. we can talk forever and people do. <laughs> and, and, and it can get really complicated too. And people have been working with this for thousands of years, Lisa, right? And right. You know, religions have popped up all around it. And let's just cut through all that and let's just experience it for ourselves and let's give our minds a rest and let's do feeling, you know, let's feel into this. Let's commit right now to feeling into our deepest self. And people say, well, I can't do this and my thoughts are too busy. Mm. Well, you know, that's because you're aware that your thoughts are too busy, but you don't know that you're aware. I just stop and feel into that. You just said, my thoughts are too busy. Who said that your thoughts are too busy? Your awareness said your thoughts are too busy. All right? Awareness isn't busy. It's just there, knowing what your brain is doing. So let's go there. Let's feel into that place. And feeling into that place, start feeling your breath as an entirely new thing, not something 
that you do automatically. You're not too busy breathing to do this. Aware of the breath. And part of you is mindful that you're doing this. And that is awareness. And the awareness part of you is just letting the breath be what it is. And if it's long, there's no judgment there. Oh, that was too deep of a breath. No, it's just how your body's breathing. If it's short, it's not up too short. You know, some breaths can be extremely subtle, right? It's so barely moving. So you can say, ah, subtle breath. Or sometimes your breath is really coarse and you say coarse breath or a cough or a sneeze. So that's how we start. Sounds come in a lot and people sometimes have ringing ears. And if you listen really closely, you'll hear some something like a little, maybe not a ring, but uh, there's sounds in your ears. And uh, some people even meditate by being aware of the sounds in their ears or the background noise, just hearing it and being aware of it. Even though there may be silence, there's always a little something paying attention, right, in a particular way. You know, sometimes little beeps come and go, right? So you can practice awareness of that. And then you move to the body and scan the body. Right, and um, you know, when you get to your shoulders, sometimes you realize they're tight and they relax, or your hips relax. And uh, you didn't know that you were contracting muscles and now they're relaxed. The face is like that too. If you look, scan the muscles of your face, and relax them. You didn't even know they were tight. You know, and um, you know, not that this is a benefit, but monks don't usually get wrinkles because their faces are so relaxed. They look much younger because they've been meditating. And so this is not a benefit, although it could be like a 
bonus. But you also might have, you know, pain in your body. You may have a chronic injury, you know, and when you see that, there may be judgments about that and regrets and fears, or if you have, you know, a disease or even cancer, you know, this causes a lot of resistance. So not only do you have the pain, but perhaps you can bring the fact that you have resistance, that you have you know, defensiveness, that you have fear, all part of that pain. Right, but to be mindful of pain and to be mindful of the mental states that come from that pain, again, can put you in a place of peaceful awareness. You may not want to give these up. You may say it's impossible. So you bring that idea into awareness, the idea that it's not possible. Whatever your brain can come up, bring it to awareness, whatever excuse you want to make. Try it. And then your, your, your emotions. You know, sometimes you don't have emotions when you're sitting. But then sometimes emotions come up. Memories of um, things that you regret, you feel regret. You feel failure, feel disappointment. You know, all the all these things in the past can come up when you're meditating. Come back to like feel like they're haunting you. And you push them away. But with this, what we're talking about to wake up is to let them come up. So yes, your mind might have a lot of emotions. The goal here is not to push them down, but to let them come up and see them. And sometimes they come strong. But you know, kind of like a wave on the beach, they come in and they crash in <laughs> and they go back out. And sometimes with this mindfulness, you know, we're just holding them as what's happening in the present moment, letting them be non-judgmental and the waves come crashing in and they roll back out. They come and they go.
just like that. And many people experience healing from this. Their awareness is their source of self-compassion. It's a very compassionate act to let them come and go. And sometimes it's too hard. You can stop, try again. Maybe you need to talk to somebody. But if you can just stay with the awareness, this thing isn't going to last forever. You may come to realize it's in the past. It's gone. All right. You, you can work with that. Accept those things. Nurture yourself with self-compassion. Right? And then other thoughts. You can cook up all kinds of thoughts. You didn't get a phone call back. Text didn't get answered fast enough. You know, coming up with what someone else is thinking. Their brains are doing that all the time. Good for them. Let them do that. But there's a chance here. There's a practice. Just like the breath breathes, the brain thinks, and we become aware. And so that awareness knows you're thinking. The awareness knows you can't meditate. But awareness is still there. And awareness is your mindfulness. And so you're meditating. You're present. Now, awareness of awareness. So you know that you know. It's where the words stop. You know, what is that? And what does that mean for all of us? You know, is there some realization of the unity of all of us in that space? And so you don't need to talk anymore and you don't need to explain anymore. You just know. And so we practice in 
we get to know this place. So when we're not meditating, this place is informing us. It's guiding us. in ways you discover the next time someone offends you, the next time the thoughts come, next time the emotions come, you know now who you are. It takes practice, you have to do this practice as often as you can and this get to know this place that's already there you know and then you move around the world a little differently a little more gentle loving generous it's not just about your happiness but the happiness of all beings starts with you. A peaceful person can make a peaceful family. A peaceful family makes a peaceful neighborhood. A peaceful neighborhood makes a peaceful city. Peaceful city makes a peaceful state. Peaceful state makes a peaceful country. A peaceful country makes a peaceful world. A peaceful world makes a peaceful universe. If you'd like to continue meditating, you could just hit pause on your phone. If not, we'll take a 
couple of deep breaths now. Feel back into your body. Open your eyes. Stretch your body. Sit upright and we'll see how Lisa is feeling. Are you feeling peaceful, Lisa? I am. I can't believe, though, for 32 years you've been trying to teach me how to meditate. And just now you tell me that it prevents wrinkles? (laughs) (laughs) Well... That would have got me on the path a lot faster. <laughs> oh, Lisa, Lisa. I was, me laugh. I, was, I was trying not to laugh. It's <laughs> <laughs> like monks don't have wrinkles because they were, oh my goodness, now I get it. So, I know you love benefits. So yes. I thought yes. I'd throw that in. <laughs> yes. And you said something else that I'm going to type in big letters. I'm going to post it all over my house. You said, nurture yourself with self-compassion. I thought, oh, nurture yourself with self-compassion. Yes, the self-compassion, that's part of your innate world. But nurture yourself. Nurture I mean, yourself, yeah. I thought that was amazing. So thank you. Thank you. You were on a roll. You said a lot of things that I really opened my eyes and I hope people listening get something out of it as well. So thank you for all of that. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. And, you know, I thank all the people that have taught me and we'll all understand this more and more with our practice and our conversations and our enthusiasm for this big fun journey. Yes. And if you'd like to email us again, we put this out here every week, exploring awareness at gmail.com. We know we have listeners all over the world and we'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Twitter and Instagram. Look us up, like us, leave a recommendation or a review of the podcast. If it's a good one on, on uh, any of your podcast sources where you're listening now. Yeah, And I encourage everyone to try at least a daily practice, you know, five minutes or so if you can. If you're going to do silent, silent meditation, you can go through the same things we go through, uh, the four foundations of mindfulness, breath, body, emotions, and thoughts. Or you can just uh, look at one of the guided meditations. We also have some at our website, exploringawareness.org. I've been listening to the Letting Go one a lot lately. I, I highly I mean they're all good but letting go I find really peaceful and helpful great well thanks so much for listening yeah thanks everybody have a great week see you soon this podcast is not an attempt to practice medicine or provide specific medical advice nor does use of this information establish a physician patient relationship Listening to this podcast does not replace medical consultation with a qualified health or medical professional to meet the health and medical needs of you or others. If you are having problems, please see your primary care provider or your local mental health professional.